As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan back here to talk to you today again about how to help understand your daughters better, how to have a close relationship with them, and how to remain an influence in their lives now and through the teen years and forever. And if those are important to you, those things, then you are in the right place once again. Today we're going to talk about motivation. This is kind of like part two. I talked about this a week or so ago. And talking to you about the importance of supporting our kids' intrinsic, internal motivation as opposed to spending too much time distracting kids with externals. So I have lots of stories today to tell you about how people found their things and how they found their passions and how they found their motivations. For instance, let me start with a story. There's an American-born painter. His name is Benjamin West. When he was seven years old, he was put in charge of his little infant niece when his mom went out for a walk. So he was fanning flies over her crib, and the baby started laughing. So he got inspired. He, he grabbed a pen and a paper. He started trying to draw her charms, her, her facial expressions. Just as he was finishing, his mom returned, and it caught Benjamin off guard. He tried to hide his drawings, but his suspicious behavior drew his mom's attention. What have you been doing, Benjamin? Benjamin begged his mom not to be upset as he handed over his drawings. She looked at it, and she decided that it looked just like Sally, the niece. The following year, his aunt sent him a box of paints and canvases, and Benjamin the next morning disappeared into his room with his supplies. He forgot all about going to school. His mom was upset initially when she found him in the attic, and she was about to scold him when her eyes fell on his drawings. Instead of reprimanding him, she picked him up and covered him with kisses and promised to explain to his dad what had kept him from his studies. Later on in life, the famous artist was often heard saying, it was my mother's kisses that made me an artist. I want to talk again today about how to support our kids, their passions, helping them find their own internal intrinsic motivation for doing things that they love to do. Uh, the hardest time to do that for many parents is when our children's interests are different from our own are when our kids' personalities and their energy is different from us. Uh, there's an old story that I read a long, long time ago that said that an eagle's egg one time somehow found its way into a corner of a barn where a hen was hatching her own eggs. Soon the baby eaglet was hatched right along with the other chickens. As time passed by, this little eaglet began to experience a longing to fly. So she would ask her mother, the hen, when can I learn to fly? 
Well, the poor hen had no ability to fly, had no idea about how to teach a bird to do so, and she was kind of ashamed to admit this. So she would say to the eaglet, Not yet, my child, not yet. I shall teach you when you're ready. Months passed, and months passed, and the young eagle began to suspect that its mother, the hen, did not know how to fly. But she could not get herself to break loose and fly on her own. Her keen longing to fly had become confused with the gratitude she felt towards the bird that had hatched her. I think that's true for some kids. Some kids I've met, kids who are now adults, who gave up on their passions, gave up on the things they were interested in because it wasn't supported by their families. It was different than their family's norm. The kids who might be very artistic and a very sporty family, as an example. We need to catch ourselves and be very aware of how we are supporting or not supporting our kids' interests and their passions. The good thing is life will bring lots of ways for kids to experience different things. Uh, Just like the book Range talked about, most kids who end up becoming very good at something had a range of experiences growing up. We all find our thing, our passion, our purpose, our calling at different times and in different ways. Let me give you some examples of some some eminent people and how they found their thing. There's an author, Deborah Sheehy, who's a children's author. And she moved to a new school in sixth grade, and she was like the, the new awkward kid. In English class one day, they were given an assignment to write about somebody they'd most like to meet. And why? Well, her favorite actor was James Cagney. But everybody else in her class was writing about the, the new R and R, rock and roll group, The Monkees. Today, it would be Taylor Swift. And her, her old friends told her not to do that, to write about James Cagney, that she'd be laughed at and made fun of. So she tried to write about the singer Davy Jones from The Monkees, but she couldn't come up with any good ideas. She got frustrated. She was torn between wanting to fit in and to be liked versus being true to herself. So she finally decided that the monkey's thing was not her idea, so she went ahead and wrote about James Cagney. And when she started writing, the words flowed, she was into it. The next day she took her, her, uh, her, uh, her writing to school, and the teacher asked her to read hers because she was the only one who wrote about someone other than the monkeys. At first she was embarrassed as she read her paper, but then she gained some confidence because she really did want to meet him. It was a really authentic desire on her part. Some of the kids started giggling at the beginning, but she read on. At the end, her teacher put her arm around her and she said, A plus work. That experience gave Deborah Sheehy the courage to follow her heart and to write about things that she was interested in, and she did become a children's author. Here's another good story about a young girl who, who had a passion, and she finally got some support for it. This was back in the, in the 1930s. This little girl was eight years old, and she was not doing well in school. She was disruptive in class. She turned her work in late. She wasn't organized. She had poor focus. Today, she would be diagnosed immediately with ADHD, slapped on meds probably. Her parents took her to see a specialist for possible learning problems. And so uh, it was just the mom took her, and she was interviewed uh, with the girl in, in the office of the psychologist for about a half an hour. The whole time, this counselor was watching the girl. Then at one point, the counselor told the mom to come with him and to leave the room. But before he left, he turned on a radio. And then he and the mom left the room, and they started watching her through a two-way mirror. Well, this little girl got up, 
and she began to sway and going back and forth to the music. And then she started dancing and she came alive and she looked so happy. She was so engaged. She had kind of a natural grace, if you will. And the counselor turned to this little girl's mom and he said, this girl doesn't have learning disabilities. She's not sick. She doesn't have a problem. She's a dancer. You need to take her to dance school which the mother did. And as soon as she started this dance school, she, uh, she said later on, I can't tell you how wonderful it was. I walked into this room and it was full of people just like me who couldn't sit still. All the kids were kind of like me. All these kids had to move in order to think. She danced all the way through her childhood. And when she became an adult, she formed her own musical theater company. And she helped produce many successful shows in London and New York doing the choreography for Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, shows like Cats, Fam of the Opera, and she became one of the most accomplished choreographers of our time. Her name, Jillian Lynn. So that experience at age eight helped put her on a path. It's so different for each of our kids when they find their, their motivation for things. There's a, there's a story about a girl named Ella. And she went to amateur night at Harlem a long time ago, went to the opera house, and she was going to dance. She was kind of an awkward, skinny little 16-year-old girl. She was very afraid to go on stage. And the announcer said at one point, okay, our next entertainer is going to dance for us. She, oh, they said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. The girl, and the girl was whispering to him. She said, what's your problem, honey? There was a pause as this little girl, Ella, whispered to the man. And then the announcer said, uh, there's going to be a correction, folks. She's changed her mind. She is not going to dance. She's decided she wants to sing. So Ella sang a song, and at the end, the audience went crazy. They demanded three encores, and this shy little girl won first prize. And with that experience, Ella Fitzgerald began her illustrious singing career. I love stories like that. I love hearing stories about how people found their thing and when they got inspired, when they had an aha or like an epiphany moment. For Peter Frampton, famous rock musician, it started when he was eight or nine years of age as well. And he was in the Boy Scouts. He was working on his, his music badge. And the last thing he had to do in order to get his badge was he had to perform in front of the whole troop. So he sang a song. And apparently he got a lot of applause and he was really inspired by this. And so the, the scout leader was kind of waving him to come off. But Peter Franton said, since you like me so much, I would like to do one of my own compositions. And he did. He played the song and the crowd went crazy. And Peter Frampton, looking back, said, I was an introvert and shy kid, but I knew I could do one thing really well. And I do have courage. That's what my guitar did for me. It was like my sword. Right then and there, when I have the stage, no one can tell me what to do once I'm out there and communicating with the audience. You've got the stage, and that's it. I learned very early on, that's where I am the most happy. No one comes on and tells you what to do. It's the music in the audience, and by now, I am realizing that I love playing in front of these other people. Love it, love it, love it. Love these stories. How about one about Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac? Uh, the lead singer for Fleetwood Mac. When she was in the 10th grade, uh, her her dad and mom moved to Arcadia, California. And she said, I got this magical guitar teacher. And after one month of lessons, he he moved to Spain, but he sold his guitar to my parents. So I've got that guitar laying on my bed. 
And she said, by the way, I still have it. She said, and that day that he left, I wrote my first song. Her boyfriend was a star quarterback, and she dated him for about a month, and he had broken up with her. It inspired her to write a song. She played it for her parents through her tears. And looking back, Stevie Nicks said, I've only learned 10 chords my whole life, which is all I know today. I didn't feel like I needed more lessons, and I started writing all the time. It was my joy. I knew writing songs would be my path. Your daughter may not have that kind of moment like Stevie Nicks did or like Peter Frampton did when they're eight years of age. But along the way, I hope that they are open to trying lots of new different things in order to experiment with figuring out what they love. What are their interests? What are their passions? What are they good at? And then hopefully we'll be there to support those passions, to provide them with resources and encouragement. I promise you that Deborah Sheehy and Jillian Lynn and Ella Fitzgerald and Peter Frampton and Stevie Nicks, they did not need their parents praising them and giving them rewards for their actions and their experiences. They found their, their love and they did it because they loved to do it. They had their own intrinsic motivation and good feelings about playing guitar and singing and dancing and writing. Sometimes children's motivation comes from adversity. I met a dad one time from Canada. This is about uh, seven years ago. And when he was in school, he was kind of a CD student, not motivated, wasn't into it, and he didn't go to college. His family had been in South Africa for a while, but they left to return to Canada, but they weren't allowed to bring any money back with them, so they had to start over. So uh, this, this young man went to IT trade school because he had done a lot of computer work and programming. So he went to this trade school for IT stuff. And he was so far ahead of the teacher that one day he criticized the teacher, telling the teacher he was doing it wrong and he shouldn't even be teaching. This guy was kind of arrogant, apparently. Well, the dean called this guy into his office. He made him a deal to never go to class and just take exams, which he did. He finished the program and that's when he decided he would never work for anybody else. He started his own company. At one point, he sold his software to Google. He sold the whole company to Google. And he started uh, one of the most famous foundations for philanthropy to the world, helping people start new businesses. He got his motivation from struggling. He got his motivation, motivation from adversity. I heard about another dad one time. I met him at, at a retreat. He was doing pretty well in school until about the fifth grade. And his first semester grades in fifth grade were B's and C's. Uh, his dad saw his report card and he said to me, he beat the shit out of me. From that day forward, he, he got all A's until he was 16. And at that point, he realized he was as big and strong as his dad. And he was no longer physically afraid of him. So he purposely dropped his grades for two semesters until he realized he was hurting his chances. He was hurting him, not his dad. It was really killing his chances to be able to go to college. Once he realized that, he got motivated to put forth a maximum effort, and he got admitted into the college he wanted. But the grades felt different from that first day forward because it was his motivation for his reasons and therefore his success. Some of your kids may falter, make mistakes, fail, 
go through a rough time before they find their motivation to get it going and to get it in gear. It's different for every kid. I remember one time I heard a story from a, um, a dad. And he said his son was about 16 years of age and he was not motivated in school and he wasn't trying, even though he was a very bright kid. And so one day the dad took him to a lecture at Stanford University. And the talk was given by a, a 24-year-old alum from Stanford. And he talked about how he had used his education to make his first million dollars by the age of 21. That got this 16-year-old boy's attention. And at that moment, at that talk, he decided he wanted to go to college right there at Stanford and do what that guy did. And he went immediately from being a BC student to all A's. And he became a very successful young man. It pays sometimes for our kids to have good mentors. Sometimes we can provide them for our kids. Sometimes they just appear in our kids' lives when they need them. And I bet every one of you listening to this podcast can probably look back to when you were a kid growing up. I bet there was someone at some point who was there for you, who may have said the right words at the right time that made all the difference for you. Uh, there's, a, there's a book called The Right Words at the Right Time by Marlo Thomas. There's a part one and a part two. By the way, there's wonderful stories. I got some of the stories I'm mentioning today from that book, The Right Words at the Right Time. Just how... At certain points in our lives, sometimes people will do something or say something that really shifts our thinking, that helps us jump the track to a more successful one. It's not always a dramatic thing, like it was for Peter Frampton or Ella Fitzgerald. I met another man who, who was uh, originally from China, but he moved to study uh, in Canada when he was about 16 years of age. And he was homesick, not motivated in school. His parents weren't around to to yell at him or bribe him or whatever. And so he just wasn't into anything until one day he went to McDonald's and tried to order an orange milkshake. But the cashier at McDonald's couldn't understand him because of his accent. And this kid became really frustrated and he decided in that moment in the McDonald's that he needed to study harder and especially study harder with his English if he was ever going to make it in his new country. Bam. Epiphany moment. I've read a couple books in the last year about, about rock and roll and rock and roll stars back in the 60s and 70s. Really good books. One of them, I think, was called 1963. But anyway, in it, I, I learned something I didn't know before, which is that most really good rock and roll musicians, people like Eric Clapton and, and Peter Frampton, for instance, uh, people like the Beatles, that almost none of those rock stars can read music. Many of them came from poor backgrounds where they end up having to make their own first guitars. They didn't have any money for lessons. So they would listen to music and they would play by ear. Even someone like Paul Simon. I read a story about how he was teaching songwriting classes somewhere in New York. He didn't know how to write music. But they got inspired by listening to this, these new sounds. I heard about um, or read about a British musician and a, and a music producer. His name is Jeff Lynn. And he had uh, one of those epiphany moments. He said, as soon as I picked up my first plastic guitar, I was in love. And all the music I loved featured electric guitars. <clears throat> he said, I didn't study music. I didn't read music. And I still don't read music. No one I know in the rock business can read music. 
I got up in the morning thinking about guitar, and I went to bed thinking about guitar. That's all I would do. Think about what I could do and how I could learn to write songs. He said, I get into that zone a lot, and I really get the music exactly as I want it. Flow moments come when we have autonomy and choice, when we have support from people that allows us to do our thing, to pursue our interests, our passions. So our kids need us. They're born with their own internal intrinsic motivation, the good feelings you get from a job well done, whether it's playing soccer, whether it's being in a play, whether it is painting a picture or learning how to play guitar or singing in front of a group. There is intrinsic good feelings that come from all those things, including getting decent grades in school if that's what they want. So our job is going to be to notice when our kids are doing things that they love to do, giving them some feedback about how you see how how happy they are, how passionate they are, how they get into those flow moments and really get into things. When you ask them why they love doing what they're doing and they tell you to mirror it back so they internalize it so those feelings and those thoughts are always within them to draw from even when you're not there. To never squish their dreams, like I mentioned before with the Wright brothers and Jane Goodall uh, last week. That even if their dreams seem outlandish and no way, I still wouldn't squish them. I let our kids have their dreams. As life goes on, they'll experience more and more things. Their interests change, their passions change. But I would allow them to have those dreams uh, when they're young. I support them just like Jane Goodall's mom did, even though everybody else made fun of her. Just like uh, the Wright brothers' mom encouraged them, even though everybody else made fun of them for being weird kids. If your kids are being creative, if they're inventing new things, doing new things, they're probably going to be made fun of. They're probably going to be put down. That's what happens with new things. So they need encouragement that tells that tells them, go for it. Good for you. Remember, too, to value passion where you find it, because sometimes our kids are going to be passionate and interested in things that don't seem very meaningful to us. That seem a little out there or weird that we have no experience with, but they still need our encouragement. Like Benjamin West, the artist. Like uh, Jillian Lynn, the dancer. Um, So, one last story for you today, and then I'll, I'll close up shop here for this week. Another example of someone who was encouraged by their parents. This is a story about Olga Ayala, who's a sculptor. When she was growing up, her mom was depressed. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And her dad told her she needed to take care of her mom whenever he was out of the house. Now, her mom, when she was younger, had wanted to be an artist, but she lived in Puerto Rico when she was young. And so they had no money. So she had to stay at home while her husband worked. So she could not do her career. When this little girl, Olga, was about five years of age, she saw her mom doodling on her grocery list. And she drew a picture of Mickey Mouse. And this little girl was like, oh, my God, my mom. What? That's amazing. She said, I thought my mom was like a god. And I told her, you've got to teach me how to do that. And from that moment on, little Olga was always drawing. She got in trouble at school because her focus was low on everything except, of course, art. One time at a parent-teacher conference, the teacher said to her mom, Olga is not doing her lessons. She's always drawing. And her parents' answer to that was, 
I think we need to buy Olga more paper at home. Her mom continued to support her, inspire her, and her work. I, I guess because she probably was living through her daughter. But that support was real, and it made a huge difference for Olga, who became an eminent internationally known sculptor. It is not your job to motivate your kids. That's their job. Your job is to notice it, to mirror it back, to help them find it, discover it, be aware of it, internalize it, pursue their interests, their passions, and support them in all of that. And if you do that, your kids will find their thing, their purpose, their calling, the reason that they were put here on this planet. And they will be autonomous in that, in the choice. And because of that, they will be engaged, they will get into flow, and they will be fulfilled and successful. Don't overcomplicate this motivation thing by trying to, to create int, intricate, complicated systems of rewards and bribes and things. Instead, do what I've been talking about for the last two podcasts and support your children's intrinsic motivation. Glad you stopped by here every week or two to listen to these podcasts. By the way, I'm Dr. Tim Jordan, developmental and behavioral pediatrician. If you don't know that by now, I, I have a website where you can see all the things that I do at www.drtimjordan.com, like drtimjordan.com. I've written six books. I've got uh, two parenting courses online, that, like online parenting courses. Uh, I, uh, these podcasts come, come out every week. A blog comes out sometimes as well. I have information there about my weekend retreats this fall and in and, and the spring, my summer camps. I do so many different things. I also give talks all over the country and around the world. So if you have any interest in any of those things, just go to the website and then you can figure out how to contact me through that. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks so much for passing these podcasts on. Uh, you might want to listen to this one with your kids because these are just kind of fun stories for them to hear. And it might spur some conversations about their passions and their loves. Um, and the things that they're into. I'll see you back here.
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.